1: Three, two, one, and we're back and finally. Finally, I feel like there should be a big, like a musical sort of something, you know, bump, ba, bum, ba. Bum. I
2: know we're there. Finally, the the final round of podcasts, which are all about predictions for what we're all looking forward to, twenty twenty one.
1: Twenty twenty one predictions, and we have been working on these predictions, as a lot of you know, for probably about a month, and um, we've written some of these down. We've tossed them out. We've you know polished them up. We've replaced them but i think these are these are predictions that you can take to the bank for the most part i don't think we're getting too ahead of our skis with any of these predictions and what we are searching for is information that was tactical and practical. We don't want to just throw some you know, predictions out there that you guys can't then use to help other people and obviously make money. So these predictions are specifically designed for two things in mind. One, to basically share with you what we think is going to happen in the future, but also then take some of this content and repurpose it for yourself. Share this information with your real estate clients. If you're involved in any kind of media syndication, content creation, do it yourself. Use these points. I did, and Julie and I did, we created these points for you guys then to use this information to help other people. Help us do what our life's purpose, our professional life's purpose is, which is being of service to all of you, and the only real way that we're service to all of you is if you then, in turn, um, use this information to help other people. Especially if you're a broker, if you're an office manager, or if you're any sort of leadership role in the real estate state industry, I think you're going to love what we're going to uh, share with you over probably the next two or three days, because um, as you guys know, longtime listeners, Julie and I cannot stop ourselves from telling stories. It's not <laughs> enough right. for us just to tell you some statistical thing. We're going to probably not be able to resist the temptation uh, to talk about one of you, a listener or a coaching client. And by the way, listeners, if you're not coaching clients yet, what the heck are you thinking? I mean, really?
2: I don't know what they're thinking, especially this time of year where it's a great, you know, New Year's resolution. So
1: So, uh, we just did a quick newsflash podcast on how to apply and obtain your PPP loan. Um, And all of you should be uh, listening to that podcast urgently and taking action on it even quicker because the PPP loans like before are going to go super fast. So if you've not yet listened to that podcast, it's called Newsflash, How to Apply for Your PPP Loan or whatever the title was. So make sure you listen to that. And of course, this podcast is available everywhere, every single podcast playing device um, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere everywhere in between, um, and also directly on our main website, timandjulieharris.com. So go and listen to all the past podcasts. And if you're looking for direction and inspiration for your 2021, make sure you are listening to past podcasts. Uh, Because I think that's going to get your head right for the new year. And before we get to point number one, I want to remind all of you, it's not too late for you to complete your real estate uh, treasure map. Your real estate treasure map is our way of saying your business and life plan. All you have to do is text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text the numbers 2021-2021 to 855-685-1045 and when you do we're going to text you back immediately a um you know a link and you're then going to click that link and it's going to take you to our website Um, and within our website you're going to be able to then directly download not just the real estate treasure map but think and grow rich for real estate your 12 monthly generation plan uh think and grow rich for real estate did i already say that i think i just did yeah and the real estate treasure map anyway seven free books guys go ahead and download those The two books that are most urgent that you pay attention to are going to be the Real Estate Treasure Map because that is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. And we did do a series of podcasts on how to complete that, so go back and listen to those. And you also have, of course, the Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate, um, and that is based on Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. And we're using the public domain book for any of you, um, you know are who are overly particular about that so in any event we're going to get to our predictions now and write these things down share them with other people and I want to just start out if you don't want to listen to all 15 points or it's gonna end up probably being about 20 points if you don't listen to all 20 points the next three days I'm going to tell you a summary of all the points you ready for it are they ready Julie I I hope so do you think they're ready no I don't think they're ready either (laughs) so if you've ever wondered what it's felt like to be in the right place at the right time it's how you feel right now. That is really the bottom line. And if you're saying, what are you talking about, Tim? I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm getting over my holiday stupor, getting ready for my next one because New Year's is right around the corner. <laughs> well, that's fine. But this is what it feels like to be in the right place at the right time. And none of it means a thing unless you take the right actions. And the right actions are going to be what we're going to expose you to throughout this podcast. And of course, if you've listened to our past podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're going to deliver these points to you in our usual, you know, no BS, drilled down, direct, practical, tactical fashion. Point number one. I'll read this first one. Okay. Okay. You got it. All right. Since it's basically just a bunch of sh- gobbledygook, <laughs> okay. I will, I will, though I should try to get you to read that because it'll, you know, I can.
2: it's up to you. You want to, all right, yep. go for it, lady. That's right. And and before I get to this first point, and there will be many to follow, I don't want to hear from any of you that you don't know what to say to your past client's center of influence. We're giving it to you right here to start out the year. Okay. Uh, prediction number one, real estate markets from coast to coast will be hotter than ever brought on by incredibly low interest rates and a new great migration demographic rocket fuel.
1: Uh, right. So th- again, these are just my outline. Mm-hmm. So I, great migration is a, a phrase I came up with today. Yeah. So great migration right. is I think what they're going to start calling it. And mm-hmm. I haven't read this anywhere, but watch. It'll be an iteration of that because that is truly what's happening. And we've been talking with um, uh, you know all of you guys on the podcast about this. The last time there was... A, uh, a sort of a demo, or not even a demographic change but last time there was a a, a move from essentially into the cities that was during uh, the industrial revolution people were moving from the country into the city they're moving away from the rural environments to move to the city to get jobs guys that was about a billion years ago um, and nowadays what there wasn't expected to be any sort of movement away from that trend continuing you there are books theories whole you know economic principles were based on the idea that the world would just be basically made up of like 15 different megacities and everything else that wasn't in a megacity would just be forgotten about, a dust bowl in essence. If you guys have ever watched dystopian movies, you know, movies that have a not-so-rosy prediction of the future, that's always how the future is painted, where you'll have these big, huge, you know, mostly, you know, uh, I don't know, gluttonous city centers and everyone outside the city center. sometimes in these dystopian movies, there was literally outside of a wall where essentially the forgotten about people. Well, guess what? All of that is, seem, is seemingly wrong because now what people are doing is they're fleeing the cities and the mi- great migration away from the cities, reversing that decades-long or even like how hundreds of years. Yeah, that trend is now reversing, and that's incredible. Add to the shift the uh, the uh, the uh, mindset about what uh,
0: owning what a, home a home
1: truly means. means post-COVID. Twenty twenty-one will mark uh, the start of a five to ten-year surge in demand for homes. The party's just getting started is what we're trying to tell you. 2021 will see more home sales than any other year since 2006. An increase of 20% plus on top of 2020's increase of 5%. Not only will Americans continue to buy homes to reflect... They're shifting working and lifestyle choices and uh, options. U.S. mortgage-backed securities will become increasingly attractive to international investors. In other words, there's going to be more available uh, mortgage money. That's really the reason I added that. The homeownership rate in the U.S. will surpass 69% for the first time since 2005, despite all home builders frantically trying to catch up uh, to compensate the accumulated building deficit from 2008 through 2019. In other words, the builders are not going to be able to keep up. Builders are going to eventually uh, catch up with the market, but from everything I've studied, it's not going to be for maybe three to five years. That's how long it's going to take them to make up for the homes that they should have otherwise been building. Um, let's see, where was I? Oh, 2020 sellers' market will continue into 2021 while new homes' uh, starts will increase by 9% on top of the increasing starts in 2020. Uh, I'm going to add something here. The um, until. New construction really is booming again, and it's going to be booming in places like Austin. But until builders can catch up with demand, you're not going to see a shift away from this almost manic um, in- inflation in prices. Because if someone wants a house, they're stuck with a resale house. Nothing wrong with that. I'm, I didn't mean to ha- make that sound adversarial. But they don't have the options that they would have. In most parts of the country, there isn't a, an abundant supply of new construction available yet. But when that changes, then you're going to start seeing people move, and this is the, what almost Always happens from an older home into a newer home. And, and obviously, then you have the other, you know, new buyers and whatnot that'll enter the market as well. And by near uh by near by near the end of 2021, uh more existing homeowners will come into the market as sellers, thus offering buyers and choices. And so this is in essence what I was just saying. As more new construction hits the market, you'll hypothetically see more inventory coming available. For loan officers, I thought this was a fun fact. Uh uh, third quarter of 2020's highest loan volume in 13 years will endure into 2021 with continuing high demand for mortgage refinancing it take advantage of low interest rates. Now, it was funny, Julie, when I was writing this, mm-hmm. I was obviously doing a lot of research. Um, that's the reason these. Uh, thoughts don't flow perfectly. That's okay. It's but all I,
2: topical. Right.
1: I was reading uh, 2020's predictions from National Association of Realtors, mm-hmm. and it was hilarious because pretty much every single, God bless you guys at National Association of Realtors, we love you, mm-hmm. um, but pretty much every single one of their predictions was wrong. Mm-hmm. But, it, to, you know, I'm going to make an but excuse But who would have known, right? Who would have known, exactly. Yeah. But they were expecting interest rates to rise. They were expecting home, uh, essentially. <laughs> Inventory
2: to rise. Right, right.
1: exactly. Yeah. Essentially, they are expecting some return to normalcy, but so did no. we.
2: We did, too. That's true.
1: A lot of our predictions last year were very similar to what theirs were because it looked like we were at the end of this big housing boom.
2: Yes. And, you know, even during the beginning of the pandemic, say mid-February to mid-April, people were really freaking out that what was going to really happen to the real estate market, nobody knew. So predictions became a little bit crazy, right? Remember when uh, I remember I was watching the Texas inventory and for, I don't know, probably three weeks in a row, the daily report of new listings was like less than 10. Oh, I know. There, was, there was nothing. It was well, like crickets. But let, let's save the yeah.
1: stories. I know you want to roll well, on. But I, I, want yes. you, Go ahead. I want you to talk about Anna and Austin, sure, the guy sure, you sure, talked sure, to the sure, other day. Sure. Yep. But let's make sure we... We choose our places to tell our yeah, stories yeah. most appropriately. Can you? Did you yes. read ahead to you know what I'm going to yep. try to get you to? Okay. So these these are basically just uh, essentially cliff notes. This isn't actually an article, so Julie's gonna have to patch this work together. But uh, I think you can do it. Okay. <laughs> we'll so see.
2: prediction number two: the great migration will increase in intensity. The news is reporting that quote the rich leaving the high tax states, but the reality is that the migration may have started started with the rich, but won't end there. Anyone with the ability to live where they want to live, not where they have to live because of a job, for example, will consider leaving. Texas, Florida, Tennessee, and other tax-free states are beneficiaries, uh, followed by places in the mountains, on water, lifestyle, and quality of life will become the critical decision-making algorithm. People want to move out of buildings into homes with yards, and we expect hyper-speed gentrification to increase in 2021.
1: Let's use this right. So this is a yep. good place. Remember, so Julie and I are in Miami recently, and we went to a uh, restaurant in this part of town um, that everyone told okay. us was basically a very shady part of town. Well, we're on this rooftop having drinks with all of our friends. And one of the guys there that was a a fantastic agent, developer, just this sort of, you know, this polymath of real estate, basically, he pointed out just this whole area surrounding where we were in this restaurant, he said was for years the worst place to live in all of Miami. Then he said BlackRock, I think it was BlackRock, recently just bought, in essence, the entire damn area. (laughs) And he said it was the biggest residential transaction to ever happen in all of Miami, in Miami's And and
2: currently, I think he also said it was the most expensive cost per... I don't know if he did per acre or per square foot, but the it most was, expensive land. It was acre land. or something.
1: Yeah. So that's an example of what Julie mm-hmm. just read. So what you're seeing are massive developers and, you know, BlackRock, for example, they're going to come in and they're going to essentially gentrify this whole area inside Miami and turn it from where it's a very undesirable place to live. Like we were, at, you know, people were, when Julie and I were trying to leave, people were saying, where are you guys going to go? And and Julie and I like to go on walks and it looked like there was this <laughs> nice, you know, yeah. sort of, uh, you know, nice area to walk. And they go, oh no, you don't want to walk down there.
2: <laughs> like, no, <laughs> not yet. Nope. (laughs) Okay. Not for you. But
1: that's the point, though. In these areas of the country, because of real estate demand, because people moving away from the cities. They're in the buildings mm-hmm. and the densely populated areas. They're going to start looking for versions yeah. of, um, you know, essentially it's all going to be predicated on the proximity for a lot of time, uh, a lot of people, the driving distance to the major metropolitan areas. But in this area of Miami, and there's areas like this around every single, mm-hmm. uh, you know, major city in the United States where these areas have been forgotten about, it looks like they're going to be rekindled. And it's this is yeah. not a story that I read anywhere. This is only yeah, a I story. I thought it was pretty interesting. And the, we saw it ourselves. And well, we heard this from an insider, Mm -hmm. this information we're sharing with all of you. So that sounds to me like it's the start of a mega trend because I think BlackRock, I think think we got this right, they're the largest holder of residential homes in the world right Mm -hmm. now. Right, good, so real or imagined social unrest will only lead to the great migration trend increasing pace, flattening home prices in California and New York and San Francisco and Manhattan and other areas, obviously continue to take the biggest hits as remote worker, workers continue to exit these markets. So here's your big takeaway from point number two. The trend that started uh, in earnest, you know, people were saying because of COVID people are leaving the cities because they don't want to be around other people with COVID. That may have been part of the reason that people were leaving. But in areas like Manhattan, they were leaving anyway, in areas like San Francisco, people we're looking for an excuse to leave, and um, so this is a good place to interject. In every market in the country that we're, be- we're considered B markets, like for example, these areas we just read to you: New York, San Francisco, Manhattan. Um, Those were all A markets. Areas like uh, Austin were considered B markets. But here's what's happening in places like Austin. Because so many people are leaving these very expensive areas. And they're leaving because of all the reasons that you think of. Obviously, state taxes, but also just a a sense of wanting to not have that lifestyle anymore. That's the thing that's being underreported. People are not wanting to live in a congested area anymore. Yes, maybe because of COVID, but also because in areas like California, you have uh, essentially tent cities. I was actually talking with someone, one of our friends back in Austin, Mm -hmm. and they said that there's tons of new, essentially tent cities that are creeping up all around uh, downtown Austin. Well, people don't wanna live in those environments, and so that they move. And now that the COVID uh, thing has caused people and companies to say it's okay to have remote workers. and a matter of fact, it seems like remote workers might be more efficient than having people come to the office. And then people are saying, well, that means I don't have to live in one of these expensive areas That's anymore. exactly it. I can move. Mm-hmm. And so, in for example, in Austin.
2: Yes, in Austin. So a great coaching client, Anna Lee, who uh, is handling lots of luxury, by all means high-end uh, Austin real estate. Okay. So she was talking about how very recently, I guess I I was hearing from her maybe a month ago starting, but I had a call with her yesterday. They're having like tons of people from California. They're coming in, they're driving the prices, not just a little bit
1: up. We'll give a real example.
2: Uh, for example, there was a listing that, uh, they had last year for sale for 11 million that um, you know, didn't end up selling. And this year, recently, it just sold, I think she told me 22 million, doubling, especially in that price range right. is pretty unusual. And I asked her, you know, she gave me some other examples of similar pricing and she said, it's 100% California people. And even when we were living in Texas, I don't know if you remember this, we used to visit the builders to see what the new construction was. And we would always ask them, who are your buyers you know because real estate is all we do and they said at least 30% are coming from California now that was pre-pandemic so now we have this big upsurge it's competitive we're driving prices up and definitely the migration is coming out. And she said a lot of it was from San Francisco as well.
1: Well, California folks have enjoyed some, in many areas, incredible appreciation or inflation on in their real estate. Sure. And they're seeing the writing on the wall and they're hitting the ejector. Yeah, and
2: if we're being honest, even though Austin has become quite an expensive area, it's still what you get for say 20 million in Austin is still probably gonna smoke what you used to get in California for that.
1: But let's let's dissect yeah. that, right? Mm-hmm. So we used to live in Georgetown, which yep. was north of Austin by what, 45 30, minutes? 30 miles. 30 yeah. miles, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you could all right i mean getting to austin cuz the traffic was more than 45 minutes but sure. i mean in essence it was 30 miles those are the areas in the country where i would be Absolutely. investing the areas that are outside well, of the major metro areas i
2: mean look at look at our experience in murphy north carolina okay which is not exactly the most convenient place okay you can drive from Major areas like Atlanta, but anywhere any city you choose going towards Murphy, which well, is
1: semi-rural, is going to be two hours. You're stepping on points, but th- that's that. So, but yeah. you can get to Asheville an hour, Atlanta's yeah. you know two hours. You can get to all Knox, what, all these other areas with within an hour to two hours. Right. Those are the areas that are going to see the most inflation or appreciation. But had,
2: had you taken Murphy a year or a year and a half ago and driven through and said, does this look like a really hot market to you? you probably would say, no, this is a little rural. I'm not sure that's going to be something that's going to be competitive. We're, we're and yet on, there's almost no inventory. We're go stepping ahead. on
1: points, but what okay. you're saying is exactly where the trends are going to continue. Any mm-hmm. place where people have voluntarily gone to vacation yeah. are going to become the hottest markets to live that's because right. people are going to stop saying, I'm just going to go to the mountains in North Carolina you know, for two weeks of the year. I'm going to live there. And now that my boss or my employer or even maybe I'm self-employed allows me the flexibility and the mobility, and now that connectivity is caught up yes. with, you know, people's natural desires to get away from those congested areas, that is part of the great migration. All right, next point. Okay, so next point, owning rental property will put a target on your back. Point number three, owning rental property will put a target on your back. State taxes, property taxes will only increase. Fallout from uh, this is all from the fallout from COVID, and just to explain this, the states and the cities, many of which were operating on a deficit as it was, but just essentially they were relying on property taxes to make ends meet. In some states, property taxes backstop things like teachers' unions and whatnot. So now that the essentially these cities were, um, they are also getting sales tax, right? And when these cities essentially were shut down effectively, they lost major sources of revenue. Uh, all kinds of different things. Like if you were in a city where toll booths uh, or, or, you know, a state or a city where toll booths and whatnot were source of income, but the toll booths weren't being used because people weren't driving while there was a source of income.
2: Hospitality taxes from hotels. Exactly.
1: All these different sources of income were lost for all these essentially city and states. And so what they're already doing and is going to happen is they're going to increase property taxes. Why property taxes? Because it's not voluntary, right? Because they don't have to. So 2021, let's say it takes to the end of the year for, us to finally say COVID is in the rear view mirror. I don't think it's going to take that long but let's just say worst case scenario. Truthfully, what we're seeing, and we're going to talk about this in an upcoming point, it looks to me like for the most part, the COVID crisis is going to be behind us by the end of first quarter, because of the fact that the vaccine is so widely distributed. And even then it was Andrew Fauci that said, even if the, you know, essentially herd immunity will be reached by the end of the summer anyway. So this COVID thing will finally be over. But that means these cities and states are still going to be in various forms of lockdown. Even if you're not in a state or a city that has lockdown, you're still going to be dealing with a heck of a lot fewer, you know, people spending money in tourists and you know all these other things. You guys understand. We don't need to belabor this. But the moral of the story is these cities and these, you know, these states, they're going to be going to you rental property owners to basically you know essentially get as much money out of you as possible expect more states to tax investors in many ways and i want you to tell the story about ohio making us register our rentals Mm -hmm. they will make you register your rentals and then tax and then our predictions they're going to start figuring out ways to tax your gross monthly income like sales tax all right go ahead
2: Yeah. so a lot of places us included with our rentals in columbus you, as the owner, get a little letter in the mail saying, uh, and I'm not sure exactly you, how they figure this out. but You thought it was a scam. I did. For the longest time, I'm like, this is stupid. So it's a form saying, fill it, fill this out. We think you have a rental property. You know, what is your out-of-state address? You know, what's the tenant's name's contact information for everyone down to email addresses and social security numbers, the whole nine. Um, and if you don't quote register that by sending in this form, then your property tax is going to go up. Right now, they're charging like 150 bucks every six months or something like that. But you know that's a precursor because most people are going to fill that out. And then what's the next step after that? We'll see. So well, that's obviously you know, what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, and that's in addition to I'm already seeing property taxes go up on most right. of them anyway. Now, right. that goes hand in hand with property values going up, of course, being driven by
1: all the points we previously talked about. Well, but that's yeah. see all these things are essentially this yes. is like a good side, but then there's a bad side, right? right? That's it. So property taxes are going to increase, but so are your everything else. You know, expense, you know I'm sorry, property values are increasing. But that means your property taxes are going to increase. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to increase your rents as quick? Well, it looks like the cities and states are laying the groundwork to figure out a way to start taxing the income. And I, it's not going to be off your net. It's going to be off your revenue. And then what's that going to do? It's going to increase rents because property, uh, most of course, you'll you know, just
2: pass it on to the tenant. That's what's going to happen. And because uh, leases are almost as scarce as purchases, most tenants probably will end up paying that. Uh, but I can tell you the the flip side to that whenever we lose a tenant, it's always because they're buying a house. Right. So at a certain point, there's that parity point of you keep on raising the tenants, um, you know, rent and they can go out and get a low interest rate mortgage. They're going to eventually bail because the mortgage is going to be less than the rent.
1: Assuming they can find something Assuming to buy. they can
2: even find something. Right. But, but, you know, that's who I'm losing them to right now. Right. Sometimes and, new construction.
1: And that does it make sense to own property? Um, I didn't have this as a point, but absolutely it does. I think more so than any time that Julie and I have been paying attention to real estate, which is basically 30 years. It makes more sense to own a home now. And I'll even say this, and, you know, maybe I should wait to the inflation point, but I'll just reiterate it then. Uh, unlike our, the advice we've been giving even in our books and everything we've been saying for you know, 20 plus years as real estate coaches, the reality of it is, is that it, having your I can't even say it. I'm stammering. Right. The reality of it is having <laughs> a mortgage. Out. Right. Reality of having a mortgage on your property right now makes sense because the interest rates are so low. When you can borrow money less than three percent, thirty years fixed, you'd be almost nuts not to basically do that and put that money to work someplace else. It just it it doesn't make sense now when you factor in inflation, which is essentially. A lot of agents will call it uh, appreciation, but it's truly inflation. And again, I'm like, we'll drill down on this point um, maybe tomorrow. But the reality of it is, is the property will inflate in value faster uh, at a higher rate rather than what you're going to be spending on the interest on the loan. So, for example, we are reading you guys the predictions of what's going to happen with home sales, and obviously that's going to increase the uh, essentially the cost of homes. So if your interest rate is you know 2.75% or something you know ridiculously low, and the home appreciates 7 or 8 or 9%, that's called free money for you. That means you've le- lived in that house for free. Now, you have to then factor in the property tax and the HOA if you've got one and all the other Mickey Mouse but uh, there's never been a better time to be a property owner that's extraordinary yes and so I I think a lot of people know that if they don't know it from you know from financial reasons like I just loosely laid out they just know it from the fact of fear of missing out they know that everyone else is buying they should buy too and that trend is just going to continue
2: yes it's going to be I mean we will spin this into what you guys are supposed to do about it of course but it's all about being the listing agent and having the inventory. Okay, a new
1: point number Number four. four. A new point number four. Demographics are your friends. So here's what's going on. There's been, there is a, and everyone talks about this, but how do make this information practical? There are more millennials, like people like to talk about the millennials um, are missing out on the best years to basically accumulate uh, you know, equity in their homes. And I think that's true. I think real estate's gotten a lot too expensive, or not too expensive, but it's gotten expensive. I think a lot of these guys are carrying student loans. But guess what? That was the same situation when Julie and I got married and we were, well, how old were we? <laughs>
2: 21 and 20.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 20. Yeah. And t- yeah, yeah. So when we got married and we bought our first house, when we were 22 and 23. Yes. Right? We had student loan we debt. We did. And that little dinky house we bought seemed like it was a lot of money.
2: Well, let me think about this. Our student loan payment was probably about seventy-five percent of our mortgage payment.
1: Yeah, there you so, go. So, I
2: mean, it's all—it's just all relative, right? right? That's
1: all still true. What well, is all true? And but yeah. we sure as hell weren't making as much, at, you know, twenty years ago as no. you know maybe someone graduating from college now can make, no, or if they apply not. themselves. So, look, you can have your own opinion yeah. on all this as much as you want to, but the reality of it is—is is real estate's expensive. A lot of these, uh, you know, millennials are carrying a lot of debt. These things are all true. But what we're starting to see is we're starting to see despite those things, you know, obviously millennials are, you know, they're getting older. They're going to start forming families. They're going to not want to live in these little uh, condos and whatnot anymore. They want to, you know, they need space. They need yards. The demographics are going to push. Uh, the home prices and the demand for homes even higher and then you have people that are slightly older than Julie and I and then the baby boomers Julie and I are generation X who are downsizing And so if you add just the def, just the uh, number the sheer uh, number of people that are downsizing baby boomers and they're essentially buying their first homes and maybe upsizing Millennials a lot of these millennials are moving on to their second homes just the sheer volume of demand is going to be something this country massive. it's massive it's this something this country's never experienced and you're before. not even
2: talking about investors like blackrock or international right. or you know national investors that are looking at the U.S. housing market as something that's more solid than perhaps what they've seen in the past. You're well, not even considering all of those
1: people, too. And, but here's the other thing. And yeah. again, I don't want to jump on my inflation point that's going to be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But why are so many people buying real estate? Because they're looking for a hedge against the hypothetical devaluing of the U.S. dollar. Q. Mm-hmm. Peter Schiff. Yes. But the reality of it is, is that's inevitably going to happen because of all the dollars printing. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, $294 billion is being put into the Paycheck Protection Program. That means every mm-hmm. single one of you that apply, for the most part, They're going to receive, you know, money. money. (laughs) And that money is coming from somewhere. It's coming from, you know, essentially... Uh, the future. And that money's going to have to be repaid in some form or another. And it's going to be repaid through inflation. And we're going to talk about that inflation point probably tomorrow. So where are all these buyers going to buy? They're not going to be buying in the city. We already know mass migration is going to force a lot of these guys to look elsewhere. So point number five, fly over states no more. Now there'll be the fly to states, rural, semi-rural, any area that's maybe within two, two hours of a major metropolitan area are going to be hot. Now I added that in um, but it's not necessarily like if you are complete, if you have the ability to be uh, a complete mobile worker, which many of you do or know people do have clients that do, you're going to, um, you know, people aren't going to be restricted to living within two hours of a major metropolitan area. Wherever people want to go on vacations, the point I made earlier, is, is is where they're going to live, not just visit. And, and here's the thing that's really fascinating. This is what's really going to free up uh, people from the shackles of living and the ways that they have been forced to be for the you know, for basically employment reasons, but not just employment reasons. They were, well, I have to live in this particular area because of schools and because of maybe, you know, all these other reasons, right? And, and broadband is what's changing all of it. And I know, oh gosh, Tim's going to talk about 5G only for a second. So I want you to write these things down, guys. I want you to explore this on your own, and then you'll understand why Julie and I think this is going to be one of the greatest times of change in. You know, in human history with regards to housing, uh, broadband is no longer an issue, which means people can live and work in it everywhere. 5G is essentially just the start of true uh, high speed internet. There's already something in place that's going to replace 5G. And 5G is going to replace any kind of, for example, like uh, T Mobile 5G home. Did you guys know that? Did you know that you can have a 5G connection? Um, In your home. In other words, you don't have to have a rely on cable anymore. It's not available in Puerto Rico yet, but it's going to be next year. and I promise you we're going to get it urgently. Uh, Satellites are also going to provide the internet everywhere. Um, And like uh, Elon Musk was involved in a company or is involved in a company that's launching satellites. So they're going to put internet free internet, by the way, everywhere in the most rural areas of the country. And that's the same thing that all these big companies are doing. What this is going to mean is the areas that before people said, I'd love to live there, but I can't because I can't get on the line or I don't want to rely on a you know, a dish or you know, some sort of you know, substandard system to basically have connectivity. And maybe your employer was like, I need you in the office because if you yeah. live in rural Kentucky or wherever, we're not going to be able to have connect, constant communication with you as if you were in the office. So you have to stay here in Manhattan, whatever. That's all changing and has changed. And that is going to free more people up, untether more people from these involuntary lifestyles. Well, they've been voluntary, but involuntary effectively. And as soon as they're given an option, obviously this mass migration trend is just going to pick up momentum.
2: Yeah. And one of the Sunday shows I was talking about the story, even this is a worldwide thing. There's a story out of the U.K., about how all these little old cottages that are way out yonder, you know, Cotswold, you know, right. type of historic cottages and stuff like that, that typically people would have been like, I don't know, that's just way too far. It's totally inconvenient. It's not near the airport. Those are having a resurgence and starting to get, you know, a lot of uh, a lot more value out of them than they used to. So it's not just selling at all. It's also selling for a high price because of what you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, I think it's. So I think it's fascinating. It, it is fascinating because yeah. if you let your mind go and you like. You know, it's like, uh, it's like everything else in life. Like you, Mm -hmm. you just build up a, um, you don't feel the monkey on your back. You know, we talked about this on a podcast the other day. Yeah. So you don't, you don't feel the omnipresent of a pressure or, you know, what it feels like. When you go on vacation, for example, when mm-hmm. you and I lived in, in Columbus, and we lived in mm-hmm. a beautiful area in Columbus, but I remember when we would go to areas of the country, do you remember the first time we drove out west?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do you remember it's that emotion? Yeah, you couldn't, total you couldn't freedom. describe it. I remember yeah. calling
1: my dad. Yeah. When you, how old were you and I? Like 23 and 24?
2: Probably, yeah.
1: Yeah. We got a Miata. We had this little, <laughs> what was it? a Marina Blue Miata. It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And we then decided, well, you know, we were in Ohio. Let's decide, let's drive out to Seattle to visit with my brother. Now... That's a long damn way in a Miata. Let me just put it out there like that. But the experiences we had, awesome. obviously, we're telling you guys about it now. Were exceptional. Those of you who live in that, you know, Montana sort of big sky area, all the way out. That I, is.
2: I, I remember, like, going. What was it when you crossed the Missouri River? I think it is. Where just the land, the landscape just, just opens, opens up. Yeah, and I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh, it really does look like that, like somewhere," because we hadn't seen it yet in person ever, uh, except movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's, there's always that little skeptic going, "Oh no, that's an enhanced movie," right. you know. And you look at that, and you're like, "My gosh, that's incredible." I it's remember beautiful.
1: that very clearly. I yeah. remember actually calling my dad, and mm-hmm. I remember saying to him, like, trying to describe how beautiful it was being in an area where it just expansive openness everywhere you look. Yeah. You know, and I Amazing. remember the first time you and I saw the Milky Way when we were in Montana. Yeah. If you guys have never really seen that before, you you know, it's Julia list was stuff. Yeah, it's bucket lift stuff. But you go online, you say you know, just Google for an image of, of the Milky Way to see that in real life, to actually be able to see the curvature in without the sky without
2: binoculars, without a telescope, just looking into the sky.
1: Right. It's it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. I mean, it changed my perspective yeah, on everything. Absolutely. You know, for me, it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. But to, to experience that mm-hmm. every day, if we chose to live there, now Montana wouldn't be for us because there's too much snow. You no, know.
2: but you know, you'd be there part of the time. Yeah, and that's an, you know, another micro trend, yeah. right? Is that people are going for, I mean, we know somebody through Stepping EXP that, that's going to England for 90 days to right. see how that is. So freedom, I think, is the overriding right. you know, thought here. But
1: as soon as people, like if you had that little you know, sort of experience, like what we're describing, maybe you promised yourself you'll always get back there. You know, maybe like Julie and I, we, we still fantasize about living. You know, let, let's end with a fun story about okay. Montana. Sure. All right. So Julie and I went out to Montana. Was this our first or second time we went to Red Lodge? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to tell you guys.
2: I'm not sure which story because we have so many from those, that
1: era. I'm going to tell them the pig racing story.
2: Oh, yes. The pig races. <laughs> That's a thing, people. That's
1: a real thing. Right. So we're going we're gonna to end today's podcast. And then tomorrow <laughs> and probably the next day, we're going to pick up where we left off on uh, predictions. But we're going to talk about pig racing. It's a thing,
2: okay? No, no. All right.
1: knew? Right. So in Red Lodge was this. You guys should Google images of Red Lodge. You just won't believe it. If you guys have ever watched the show Northern Exposure, if you remember that from the 90s. Yeah, that's Red Lodge. Uh, that's Red Lodge, basically. By the way, we did go to the town where Northern Exposure was filmed, which is quite cool, in the Very Miata cool. and have pictures. Yeah, that was a great trip. Yeah, we went to Chris's radio station, the whole thing. Super but cool. So we're in, um, we're in Red Lodge, and we're visiting friends. And one of Julie's uh, friends, and this gal actually was uh, an assistant to Julie's dad um, when Julie was growing up. Her name was Ruth. Her name is Ruth. And Ruth ran the local um, zoo. It's going to work into a longer story, but it's a good one. Yeah. Now, by zoo, we're not talking a zoo like you're thinking. We're talking a zoo...
2: It's basically full of rescued random animals. But not dogs and cats. Not dogs and cats. These are like, I'll give you a couple of examples. A baby bear that fell out of a tree on his head and is just kind of a little daft, but probably wouldn't make it in the wild. He's
1: a dopey bear. It's kind
2: of a dopey bear. Somebody scooped him up, brought him to Ruth. That's what you do, right? Um, I remember a story. This is kind of sad, but ends up good. Okay. So uh, a guy was jogging in front of him. He saw a deer be hit by a car and immediately give birth to a fawn the the mom deer passed away but the he rescued the fawn okay so he takes the fawn to roost she raises it it's a zoo of misfits I mean a zoo of total but, misfits
1: but she had not just these little sort of like nursery rhyme animals she had freaking massive mountain lions wolves she had bobcats she had wolves so when we went to visit her the first time it was we, you know she took us to her zoo at night and at her zoo at night there's no there's no lights the animals are supposed to sleep so we walk up to the entrance, and I remember, I mean, if you want to know what dark is, go to Montana at night. At okay, night, yeah. That's, okay. So we walked up to the front entrance of the zoo, and Ruth, what did she say? Do you remember what she said?
2: I think she Hel- was like saying goodnight to all of them or something. Or she said, said hello, She was yelling everyone. something. Yeah. And the whole zoo was like, oh,
1: you oh know, like gosh. they all was, were
2: talking back to her. But it was scary. And then she said something like, "Good night, everybody, and they all shut up at the same
1: time. Yeah. And this is, they it's were, crazy. how many animals do you think she had?
2: I don't. know. I think it was something like twelve or thirteen acres, and I don't know at least fifty different an- animals. I mean, yeah. she had a couple of buffalo. Yeah. Um, there, remember the elk that would break in and yep. steal the candy bars. Yep. You know, like and they all had these personalities. They and did. Somehow they got all got along, but that was pretty amazing. Her
1: goal wasn't to have them in, on display. Her goal was to rehab them and move them along. But a lot of these, as Julie just said, were not even we're weren't going to be returned to nature. So the zoo was sort of like. This thing that the whole community uh, kept after, there was a lot of love for it. And so anyway, back to pig racing. You see how I'm tying this (laughs) in? All right. So this town over, I don't remember the name of it. There was this bar that Ruth didn't tell us why we needed to go there, but we went there. And so we walked into this bar, and it was exactly like you envisioned—a lot of really tall people, <laughs> wearing cowboy a types. Cowboy types wearing a lot of really, you know, plaid—you know, the whole thing. It was badass. It looked like something out of an oh, old Clint Eastwood movie. Definitely. Yeah, and that's just how they looked.
2: Yeah, it was normal. Great. We were the weirdos.
1: So we, we were, especially you. Yeah. <laughs> so we walked to the back of this. It was a bar, and then it was an outside area. Mm-hmm. You remember what it looked like? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then there was this. It was only, it could only be described as a racetrack and it was all fenced in. And it was, I think it was a loop, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it just like a, big a loop? like a dirt racetrack. Right. And then there was a gamble, a betting window and you'd go up and you basically place your bets on which pig would win. Yes. Okay. And there four was piggies. like maybe four or six pigs. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. It, it was terrible. And then, uh, so Julie and I, you know, it was more than six. It was like maybe eight or 10. There was a lot of yeah, pigs. A lot of pigs. And I don't remember what they did to get the things to run around the track, but no they idea. did run. They did. So, so Julie and I bet, did we bet on different pigs or the same pig? Do you remember? I think
2: we bet on just one and just randomly because we didn't know anything about pigs. All
1: right. So Julie and I bet on, Julie and I bet on, you know, pig racing. We are just like, okay, let's just get through this and, you know, see what this experience is all about. And you know how you are when you're on vacation and you've never had an experience before. You're totally present and your, yeah. you know, all your senses, all your, you're, you're just picking up everything, you know, cause you're just, a, a, I just did
2: what I'm betting on pigs. There's
1: threat vectors what? everywhere. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so so, um, yeah, so it turns out the pig we uh, bet on won. I know. So Maybe. Julie and I won the pig race, and I think we won like 50 bucks. Yeah. Which we Whatever donate, the pool was. Which yeah. we donated to the zoo. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the sad part of the pig race. You guys ready for this? And this is how it ties to the, oh. the Zoo. So it turns out being a winning pig racer is not the way to go if you want a long life. Because it turns out, believe it or not, pigs aren't genetically designed to run, at least not mm-hmm. run in a race. And so generally speaking, the pigs that win the race also quickly thereafter leave this earth as champions at least, but they don't or last.
2: Little pig heart attacks. <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. I know it sounds harsh, but here's the, here's the uh, I think the good part of this story. Guess where the winning pigs end up? That's right. Ruth's Zoo. So yes. it's a circle of life. That's right. <laughs> in Montana. Exactly. <laughs> You don't even know what to say. Uh,
2: I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm trying to figure out how you're going to tie all this together. I, I did it, though. But yes. It's, it's That's what happened. Circle of life. And
1: that was an yeah. experience that we'll never yeah. forget.
2: I want to say that was maybe Nye, Montana, N-Y-E. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, Nye was a town that Jack Hanna owned. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was exact- right in
2: that, I have to remember exactly Jack- where it was.
1: So if you if you remember where uh, Red Lodge was, it was yep. in this, you know, essentially this, you know, between two big that mountain line, ranges, the yep. Beartooth was in the, so Nye was up on the, you know, if you go this direction, mm-hmm. and this little town was this and direction, it was so it was over way. a different yep. ridge. Yeah, that's how it was. But in any event, that was a story that I'm sharing with all of you because you all have your own memories. And maybe in the back of your head, you know, maybe your memory is about a beach town. Maybe your memory is about who knows where. Maybe it's someplace in a different part of the world where if you now have the flexibility to live where you want to live and have the lifestyle you want to have and still earn the amount of money that you want to earn and work and stay on the same career path, how many people are going to say, hell yeah, I want some of that? Yeah. Everybody is. No, you know, A
2: lot of people are here coming here I mean, right we've, we've had people Rico. recently land and you know this is this they're living the dream and you know to tie it into real estate when i don't know if we said the story or not but there's there's literally no inventory here either there's lots of people moving here and we went to check out new construction and here was her script i big presentation i have nothing to sell you you can build but it's going to take two and a half years so if yeah. you want to wait that's great and even even with the new construction there's a waiting list Right. So it's pretty amazing. It was. You know, so get in now if you're having these thoughts because there, there's lots of different hot areas. I mean, even go to a coaching client in Idaho, right? Is Idaho the first place you think is a hot market? Probably not. Maybe a few ski towns, right? She's got examples of houses doubling in price, actual sale price, year over year, or at least two years over two years. But this great mi-
1: this great migration trend is not just a US-based migration trend. Julie sprinkled some um, international facts on you guys, and we're reading these stories and we share them on our main website, timandjulieharris.com, how people are essentially migrating out of London and out of Paris and out of all West, these...
2: Italy is hot right now. Right. So one of the things... Not just
1: Italy, Julie, these yeah. old medieval towns Well, in that's Italy. what I'm
2: talking about. Okay, so one of the things that I'll bring to a Sunday show one of these days, is uh, discoveries from 2020 that didn't have a lot of reporting because everything else was going on. And one of the things that they're doing because of this migration, partially, is that they're excavating, they're rehabbing, they're taking these old medieval towns and they're turning them into, you know, maybe they're multifamily, maybe they're a big castle that's getting done. And there's a lot of ancient artwork that's been discovered. Um, there's all kinds of like, uh, I mean, even, even on the East coast, I read that it's the first time somebody discovered the burial of revolutionary war soldiers under a house that was getting rehabbed and I think Connecticut. That's incredible. So there's all, there's a lot of these stories going on that are the result of a resurgence of going after some of these, um, older properties. So we'll be re- reporting on some of that, um, Anyway, I lost my train of thought of where, That's where we're okay. going because there's so much of this going on, but lots of great uh, discoveries as a result of these ancient rehabs.
1: So we're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Hopefully you guys are picking up from us that we are incredibly optimistic. And I hope you know that it's not false optimism because if you listen to our past podcasts, when we think, some, when we think there's clouds on the horizon, when we think winter is coming, we have never held back telling no. you, ever, even if it meant, frankly, fewer coaching sales, right? Even if it meant our own business wasn't going to do as well. We were wanting to tell you the truth and we were wanting to tell you the truth as we saw it so that you could prepare. And I know that's the reason why so many of you have been with us for some cases decades. is because you guys know we're gonna tell you the truth no matter what. You know we're not just gonna follow trends. You know we're always gonna basically baseline everything that we're telling you on you being of service to others and frankly making a lot of money so that you can be rich. Rich simply being, you know, your money works for you. You don't have to work for your money. We are pushing you towards what we hope you will agree is going to be the best, you know, 5, 10, 20 years of your entire life. It's not just for your business. It's going to be for your personal life as well. Take this, uh, you know, I was just talking with uh, some friends that just moved here. Mm-hmm. Jay and Amber Kinder, yeah. right? Do You guys in EXP will know who they are. And they just moved here to Puerto Rico. They're our neighbors. They're now 10 minutes away. And I was, you know, sharing with Jay what Julie and I are doing. And we do this every year, so it's not anything new. Every year for us is like a rebirth. And we ask ourselves, what is it? Where is it? That we don't think we have to improve. That's the question we ask. Like, and so you know, we the answer is uh, never and nothing, right? So there's no areas in our life where we don't need to improve. And then we say we go. Julie and I will do just as we ask all of you guys to do. We'll go through the five categories of life. There, most people set up goals. This is all part of the real estate treasure map. And then we'll just focus on. The three things that are the most uh, important for us to, you know, essentially improve. And again, if there's anything that she thinks or I think that we don't need to stay, that we don't need to improve. Okay, I got that. I figured that out. That's good. That's the area that we know we need to improve on the most because we're becoming complacent in that particular area. Um, for example, if you say, "I am in great shape. I'm just going to maintain." No, you can't just maintain. You always have to be improving. My finances are perfect. I'm just going to maintain. Nope, same. My lead generation is perfect. It's just going to, no, same. Now I'm going to just, I'll drill down on that point, for example. So many of you listening have never learned how to be proactive lead generators. uh, generators. And don't worry, I'm not going to get on my, well, I am on my soapbox, but I won't be on for long. And the problem you have with never having learned how to be a proactive lead generator is you're always going to be beholden to, uh, essentially, the ebbs and the flows of these different technology companies, which makes you incredibly vulnerable, which means you will always have a business that's built on the thinnest device. Um, and you've seen that just the past 12 months. How frequently have these tech companies, that so many of you guys are thinking that you can build your businesses around, which you can't, but how many of these tech companies have essentially built? Uh, yeah, essentially change the rules, making all your efforts irrelevant. For example, how many of you had invested a lot of effort in TikTok of all things? And I know some, you know, oh, I don't like you talking about our, you know, your competitors, Tim and Julie. Well, I have to talk about them and we have to be direct about them because you guys have to see it for what it is. And when someone tells you to be investing yourself into, you know, any of these tech platforms for the sake of essentially establishing yourself as some sort of, you know, expert or guru um, and, you know, some sort of um, influencer type, if that's really what you think is going to lead to you making real estate sales, it's straight up wrong. That's just a lie. And the way that you really harm yourself is when you overinvest yourself in these things. And these companies change their algorithms. They change their rules. You know, it's, you know three, five years ago it was Facebook, Facebook. Everyone's talking about Facebook. Nobody talks about Facebook anymore and before that was blogs and you know it's going to be other things and other things so if you've never learned how to be a proactively generator if you're always you're always going to be beholden on the ebbs and the flows of these you know these tech czars and i don't know about you but that's never going to give you freedom and it's certainly never going to give you any sort of longevity in real estate so if you're going to, if we could pass along one little you know prevailing piece of advice Um, dare we say, it would be to learn how to become a proactive lead generator and stop waiting. So when you're completing your real estate treasure map and you're going to get a free copy of it, simply text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text uh, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Just remember When you're writing down your sources of business, when you're creating your lead generation, uh, the spokes on your wheel, if every single one of your spokes is basically circling around buying leads on some social platform, you do not have a wheel. You have basically tissue paper. You have to have your first spokes be the ones that are proactive lead generation like we described to you on the series of podcasts we did two weeks ago on how to complete your real estate treasure map. So make sure you go back and listen to all of those. So we only got through five points. We have many more points to go. Uh, the next point, just to foreshadow, uh, actually, f- point number five was just foreshadowing what I was just talking mm-hmm. about, but it is a good point. You know, Actually, I'll read you guys the point and we'll, we'll pick up vamping about it on our next show. Point number it's six is return of the art of having a real conversation. Mm-hmm. All the high-speed connectivity will result in people wanting to have real life face-to-face, albeit video conversations. Apple Glass 5G will give agents who know how to truly communicate an unfair advantage. And we'll talk more about that on the show, manana. In the meantime, please do continue to share this podcast with everyone you know. If you guys want to uh, show gratitude towards us, which we certainly appreciate, Uh, please go to iTunes and please subscribe. Subscribing on iTunes uh, tells iTunes that our podcast is something that they should be sharing with other agents, and that's what they do, and that helps us to live out our professional mission, which is being of service to as many people as possible. Help us, go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and also subscribe. We sincerely appreciate it. In the meantime, if you need us for anything, if you have any show ideas, we do listen, like the show we did yesterday and why we moved to Puerto Rico. That was an idea from a listener please just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Anything else you want to say to these guys, Jules?
2: Don't wait until it's actually January 1st to get cracking on that treasure map. You know, it's time's running out. 2021 is going to be a whole new adventure. So get that done.
1: So maybe your first rule that you have for yourself for 2021 is stop procrastinating. Yeah. Right? Stop so get,
2: getting ready to get started. Do someday feel like maybe possibly taking action if the sun is shining and your mom's not
1: visiting. Next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a great day.